On the resurrection morning When all the dead in Christ shall rise I'll have a new body Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life Eternal soul In weakness raised in power Ready to live in paradise I'll have a new body Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life I'll have a new home Glory, glory With the redeemed of God Never there'll be no more sorrow No, no more pain There'll be no more strife, no more strife. Yes, raising the likeness In of my Savior Ready to live I'll be glad I'll have a new body Praise the Lord I'll have a new life Eternal Free From every imperfection Youthful and happy I shall be Lost in victory I'll have a new body Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life Oh yes, I'll have a new home Glory, glory With the redeemed Never of God There'll be no more sorrow No, no more pain, pain There'll be no more strife, no strife. Yes, raising the likeness In of his likeness Ready to live I'll be glad I'll have a new body Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life Trump of God shall sound I'll have a new body Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life Eternal grains All bursting saints are shouting Heavenly beauty all around I'll have a new body Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life I'll have a new home Glory, glory With the reading of God to stand no more pain, there'll be no more strife. Yes, raising the likeness of this likeness. Ready to live, I'll be glad. I'll have a new body. Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life. Good morning, good evening, wherever you may be. Welcome to the Passion for Christ show. So glad to have you, friend. Hey, I'm your host, Bruce Kessler, and I just want to let you know I'm part of the greatest movement ever, a follower of Jesus Christ, because you see, in Him alone I find peace, joy, forgiveness, happiness. I am blessed beyond measure, more than I could ever deserve, friend. My goal here is very simple. That is to encourage you along the way to help you find your passion in life in Jesus Christ. Upcoming in our study segment, we're going to be talking about in the shadows, in the shadows, what that might mean in the shadows. But before we get there, we got a few things along the way. And the first is headline news. Friend. Get this, get this. After a three-year-old boy went missing in his community, Grimes County, Texas, resident Tim Halpin said he felt God was leading him to the boy's location. Isn't that stunning, friend? Isn't that stunning indeed? 
Christopher Ramirez went missing around 1.30 p.m. last Wednesday after he chased his dog into the woods by his house. Ramirez's mother, Aresola Nunez, knew something was wrong when the dog returned home without her son. Lost for four days in the woods, Ramirez was finally found on Saturday by Halfen. He had been sitting at a Bible study on Saturday when he first learned about the missing toddler. And after he learned of Ramirez's disappearance, he felt called by God to go and search for him. Around 11.45 a.m., Halfen began searching for Ramirez in the woods near his home when he suddenly heard the voice of a child. I said, Christopher, is that you? Halfen recalled. Then he speaks again, and I'm like, whoa, praise God. Soon Halfen stumbles upon Christopher, who had removed all his clothes and was in the woods alone. Halfen quickly called 911, and sheriff's deputies responded to the scene with Nunez. I don't know what to make of it, Halfen said. All I, all I know is he was found safe. When I picked him up, he was still talking. He wasn't shaking. He wasn't nervous. The things I would typically expect in this situation. Maybe he just sensed, I have been found. Halfen added that it must have been divine intervention that led him to Ramirez. Before being found by Halfen, County Sheriff's Department spared no cost to looking for the toddler, deploying drone, drones, aircraft, K-9 units, search parties to find him. Words cannot express how I felt when I held him for the first time, Nunez said, of being re reunited with her son. It was incredible indeed. Can you believe that, folks? Man credits divine intervention for leading him to missing, missing toddler. What about that, folks? What do you think? Happen chance? Or was it divine providence? I'll let you decide on that one, friend. But praise the Lord, the toddler was found indeed. We can give God the glory for that. Well, listen to this, friend. Listen to this. You won't believe it. In the upcoming DC Comics Superman release, the son of Superman and current heir to the mantle will identify as bisexual. That's right, folks. In July, DC Comics has published a new series, Superman, Son of Cal L, in which John Kent, the son of Daily Planet reporter Lo Lois Lane, and Clark Kent, the original Superman, becomes the Man of Steel. According to the DC Comics, John Kent will identify as bisexual in the fifth release of the comic and will become romantically involved with a male reporter, Jay Nakamura, after initially striking up a friendship. Following a scene when, where Superman mentally and physically burns out from trying to save everyone that he can, Jay is there to care for the Man of Steel. The long-standing comic book publisher also shared a photo of the two young males sharing a kiss. I've always said everyone needs heroes and everyone deserves to see themselves in their heroes 
And I'm very, very grateful DC and Warner Brothers share this idea. Superman's symbol has always stood for hope, for truth, and for justice. Today, that symbol represents something more. Today, more people can see themselves in the most powerful superhero in comics. There you go, folks. Can you believe this? New Superman will come out as bisexual in an upcoming comic. DC Comics says. Mm, mm, mm. My, oh, my. My, oh, my, indeed. Well, get this. Skillet frontman John Cooper says woke culture is at war with Christianity and that believers need the courage of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to stand up and oppose it. Cooper, a Christian who is a lead vocalist for the Grammy-nominated rock band, told the audience at Family Research Council's Spray Vote Stand Summit on Friday that he has been inspired by heroes of the Bible and church history like Corey Ten Boom and Dietrich Bonhoeffer who took a stand for what's right. The Christian community today, say, he said, needs men and women of courage to defend the truth. Wokeness is everywhere. You cannot escape wokeness. You can't escape wokeness in the church. You can't escape wokeness in worship music. You can't separate wokeness from pastors these days. It's everywhere. And it's time that us Christians, people like myself and like you and, and all of our various giftings, it's time that we take the fight against wokeness. Thank the Lord Jesus Christ that we're not talking about my deconstruction, Cooper said, adding that he believes too many churches got away from teaching the foundational truth of the Word of God. Cooper then referenced heroes of the faith who have inspired him. Whenever I was growing up, we had this great film, Chariots of Fire, Eric Little, Absolutely unwilling to run on Sundays, right? That's his conviction. He's ready to give up his career and his dreams for that conviction. I read about Corey Ten Boom, who was willing to give up her life. She's hiding Jews in the upstairs as the Nazis are coming around. She's willing to give up her life for that. And of course, her dad and sister gave their lives up for just that. And then you read about Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Cooper discussed the Old Testament men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, to refuse to bow down to Nebuchadnezzar's idol despite threats of death. We are living, he said, in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego moment. This is the time. We may not be able to see or touch that 90-foot tall, 90-foot wide idol, but it's here nonetheless. It is in the form of humanist utopians, the elites that are trying to force us into their version and vision of utopia. It's coming from uns from censoring our religious liberty, from censoring our speech. The time has come right now for us not to bow the knee. Woke culture is at war against Christianity. Skillet John Cooper warns. I'll have to say I agree with him. Amen. Amen and glory. Hallelujah. And that's 
our headline news for this broadcast. And now we have this day in church history. Gaspard II de Coligny was a French admiral. He sought to protect the Protestants in France and established colonies of these Huguenots overseas. In France, he led the Huguenots capably, if not brilliantly, in the civil war that developed between them and the Catholic majority. His success at La Hache Labay and his ability to hold his forces together in defeat forced the government to negotiate. However, he was assassinated at the beginning of the St. Bartholomew's Day Massacre in 1572, in which Catholics slaughtered thousands of Protestants across France. On this day, October 16, 1569, three years before his assassination, Colony had been wounded, his army shattered, himself declared an outlaw by the government, cursed by the Pope, and his castle burned to the ground by order of Catherine de Medici. He wrote the following words in a letter to his children. We must follow Jesus Christ, our captain, who has marched before us. Men have stripped us of all they could, and if this is still the will of God, we shall be happy and our condition good, seeing this loss has not happened through any injury we have done to those who have inflicted it, but solely through the hatred they bear toward me, because it has pleased God to make use of me to aid his church. For the present it suffices that I admonish and conjure you in the name of God to persevere courageously in the study of virtue. The Untamed Champion, 1569. And that's this day in church history. And now, folks, we have our thankfulness passage for this broadcast. It's found in Psalms 145, verses 4 through 6. Psalms 145, verses 4 through 6. One generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. I will meditate on the glorious splendor of your majesty. And on your wondrous works, men shall speak of the might of your awesome acts, and I will declare your greatness. Amen, folks. What a powerful set of passages here. Remind us we should always be thankful to God, no matter the circumstances. And that's our thankfulness passage for this broadcast. And now, folks, we have a little bit of fun in Name That Bible Character. Here is your clue. Here is your clue. 
I was the eldest of twins and Abraham's grandson. What is my name? Here's your clue one more time. I was the eldest of twins and Abraham's grandson. What is my name? We will reveal the final answer to this tantalizing clue. So say, stay tuned for that exciting reveal in our final concluding segment of Name That Bible Character. And now, folks, bring up a chair, get your Bibles, get your hot cup of coffee. I have mine right here with me. And let's open up the fantastic and powerful Word of God. Amen, folks. Amen. The title for the study is In the Shadows. There's so many things in the shadows that frighten children. I remember late at night as the wind howled outside my window and the moon cast bizarre images on the bedroom walls. I was a young boy, around five years old. I detected furtive movement out of the corner of my eye. And each time I tried to focus on the movement, the image mockingly disappeared into the shadows. And I imagined something terrible was hiding in those shadows. My dad called them night terrors. But naturally, at that young of age, I, I thought differently. One night, my dad rented a room at a spooky-looking hotel. We had to traveled a long way from Houston, Texas, heading home to Rinkin, Georgia. My dad had come to take me home. He and my mom had gotten a divorce, and I was going home with my dad. He was exhausted and needed rest, so we stayed at that motel, and all I wanted was to get to that wonderful place called home in Rinkin. More to the point, I sensed, or rather imagined in my mind, there was something really creepy about that motel. I couldn't come up with any real legitimate reason why we shouldn't spend the night. could have cried and stomped my feet, but how, how could a young boy explain to his dad a fear that sounded crazy and so far-fetched? I hid under the covers, praying that my fears were unwarranted. However, the light emanating from the bathroom suggested otherwise. The light appeared strange. Rather than being warm and natural, the tone of that light had an unnatural quality that purposely concealed a clandestine operation. So sleep eluded me. Soon after Dad was fast asleep, I, I, I sensed a, a presence next to my side of the bed. I dared not look beyond the covers, so I stayed hidden and I waited. My heart pounded in my chest. For what seemed like an eternity, nothing happened. And then I felt these ice-cold, bony fingers ease under my body. The clandestine operation was revealed. 
I knew without a doubt that my life depended on crying out. With all my strength, I shouted out, Dad! And then within seconds, his loving arms were embracing me, protecting me, pulling me to safety. The shadows retreated. You see, friend, there are so many things that trigger trauma. Could be war, could be some type of violence, could be some type of assault, could be a number of things. In a lot of cases for children, it's divorce. There are powerful events that we all experience in childhood and they affect us both mentally and spiritually. As I said, divorce is one of those jarring events. And I don't I don't think I'm not a don't believe that parents are either fully aware of the drama of divorce or fully conscious of the war that rages within the minds of the innocent children. They are left with untold and unanswered questions. What was once a home, even a fractured one, is instantly gone. We feel abandoned. We have difficulty expressing our bewilderment and pain, expressing our trauma, our grief, our loss. And you can be sure that whatever the cause is, whether it's right or good about divorce, children are at risk in those moments and in those situations. And you remember what Peter says about Satan? He's... He's lurking. He's like a roaring lion seeking whom he devour. You see, Satan lurks to use these events as opportunities to create as much chaos as possible. You remember Jesus in John chapter 10, verse 10, he says that the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. Satan wants to debase all that is good and innocent. And he wants to destroy the peace and minds of the innocent children. There are many children of divorced parents who are hurting. There's a deep ache that exists. A traumatic forever scar. Be mindful of the reality of this. Even in cases where the divorce is legitimate. Many of those children are now adults who are still haunted by memories hidden in the shadows of the past. So as I, I look back long ago as my dad embraced me and pulled me to safety in that terrifying moment, he was there for me. He was my hero, you could say. But my dad did something even better than that. He, he taught me over the years that there was... A God, a great creator, a great designer, a powerful God who was the only one able to heal my broken heart, to give me peace over troubled waters, to give me power over fear, and to empower me to live a life of meaning and purpose. To give me victory over grief and loss and trauma. Are you hurting? You see, God will heal you. What is hidden in the shadows of your life? 
that cause you to be in grips of fear and anxiety. You see, God is here for you. He has not abandoned you. His grace will enable you to experience a victorious life. Psalms 91 verse 4 says, And He shall cover you with His feathers, and under His wings ye shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. Amen, folks? Psalms 91 verse 4. But more practical, let's go to Philippians chapter 4. And here Paul talks about living in this chaotic world without being filled with anxiousness and anxiety, but being filled with the peace that passes all understanding. And it begins with a heart of praise. It, 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 it begins with your mind, with the head, and it ends with the hand of being active and fruitful. Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 6. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. There's no reason for you to be anxious, because there is a God who wants to hear and know your pain and your anguish. With, by prayer and supplication, your needs he knows, but he needs you to articulate them. With thanksgiving, a heart of praise. In the world of chaos and trouble, let your requests be made known to God. He is your Father. Jesus Christ died so that you can talk to God, your Father. And then he says in verse 7, Then the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So you have to have a heart of praise. Secondly, and even more practically, in verse 8, he talks about your head or your mind. That's where the war rages. Finally, my brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Is what I'm about to do, is it right? Is it true? Is it pure? If not, I don't need to be doing it. I need to be going through these things and meditate and consciously articulate those things in my life and in my memory because that's where the war is. And then finally, in verse 9, he says this, The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. Friend, I can be preaching to you until I go crazy. But if you don't put these principles into action, they do you no earthly good. All they are is religious theory. These things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. Put it to use. Put it to practice. Be active. Put it into action. And he promises that the peace of God will be there. So it's the heart of praise. It's your head. It's your hands doing the Lord's work. Putting things into practice. Amen, folks. Amen. And that will bring a peace that passes all understanding. And that's our study.
for this broadcast. And now we have the conclusion to name that Bible character. Here was your clue. Here was your clue. I was the eldest of twins and Abraham's grandson. What is my name? Well, it was Esau. That's right. Esau. Genesis chapter 25, starting in verse 24. And when her days to be delivered were fulfilled, behold, there were twins in her womb. And the first came out red, all over like a hairy garment, and they called his name Esau. And after that came his brother out, and his hand took hold on Esau's heel, and his name was called Jacob. And Isaac was threescore years old when she bare them. And the boys grew, and Esau was a cunning hunter, a man of the field, and Jacob was a plain man dwelling in tents. I was the eldest of twins and Abraham's grandson. What is my name? Esau. And name that Bible character. Well, friend, you too can become a follower of Jesus Christ by submitting your life to him in repentance and baptism. And you'll be forgiven. You will receive a blessing. Far beyond what you can imagine or deserve. My goal here is very simple. That was to encourage you, friend, along the way to help you find your passion in life in Jesus Christ. Visit our website, normanchurch.com. Normanchurch.com. Well, friend, I want to tell you this. What a privilege it's been for me to have you walking along my side during this show. May God. Bless you. All the gold in California is in a bank in the middle of Beverly Hills in somebody else's name. So if you're dreaming, dreaming. about going to heaven, it don't matter at all what your riches are. Jesus Christ is the only way. Gotta get to work today. I've got another bill to pay. I'm building up my IRA for days to come. I'm tearing down my older barns. In a bank in the middle of Beverly Hills In somebody else's name So if you're dreaming, dreaming About going to heaven It don't matter at all what your riches are Jesus Christ is the only way, the only way. Friends, don't try
trust in what you've got. Even if it is a lie, I have to warn your money's not all it seems to be. True riches are in the Lord, and living just by His word. Now don't forget all you've heard that He's the only way. Somebody else's name So if you're dreaming About going to heaven It don't matter at all What your riches are Jesus Christ is the only way